All right, welcome back to Bible Braced. Stop. You said all right again. <laughs> I've just embraced it. That's what I'm going to say at the beginning of every episode now. <laughs> um, we are very excited to be back with you. This is episode nine, which is kind of crazy. This is our eighth week of doing this, but last week we had a two part interview, and so those were released as episode seven and eight. Hopefully you guys were able to enjoy that. It was a little different format than we normally would have, but I thought it was really neat to get to sit down and just talk through how do we make life decisions when we're trying to keep God at the center, you know, and how does this look? And I think this is where we can break down methods versus principles, right? And there's actually a really good podcast I listened to this past week, Joyful Journey. I've mentioned them before. But they have excellent podcasts that comes out every couple weeks. They're more topical focused. So they'll handle different issues like grief, loneliness, you know, they'll go through things biblically more as a topic basis, but they went through principles and methods and the idea behind that in a nutshell, but you should totally listen to it. I'll link it in the show notes is that the principle is what we can point to as knowing biblically, this is what we should do. This is what we are called to do. The method is how you carry that out. And that can look different depending on where you're at in your life, what God has called you to as far as are you married? Are you single? Are you married with kids? Are you single with kids? Like, do you have a career? Are you a stay-at-home mom? Like all these different aspects of life that can change the method by which we carry out the principle. But I know sometimes we use a difference in methods as an excuse for not having the same principle. And that is where we need to really evaluate ourselves, right? Like, okay, maybe I've chosen to homeschool because I don't want my kids exposed to X, Y, Z. Well, if your goal at the end of the day is that you are raising a generation for Jesus, you are intentionally discipling them then that can be carried out in a variety of methods, right? You could do that intentionally as a parent with your kid in a public school system. You could do that intentionally as a parent with your kid in a Christian school. You can do that intentionally with your kid homeschooled. By the same token, if uh, your principle is that you just want to have a lifestyle that accommodates other things, other passions and desires, then that could be the reason you homeschool. That could be the reason you private school, (laughs) the reason you Christian school. So if you are keeping your principle biblical? That's the question, right? And so that helps us make all the decisions we need to make because we know principally like God has called us as women to be helpers. If you're married, he's called you to be in a submissive and helpful role to your husband and to be the nurturer and to be the one who is helping to raise up the main one, raising up your next generation and discipling them and teaching them what God has called us to teach them. And if that is your principle and that is what you're operating under, then you're going to be able to make all kinds of decisions for the good of your family and for the good of your children and in a way that glorifies the Lord through all the different methods you carry that out, right? And so it's just helpful for us to remember that because, again, your principle can sometimes get lost in the methodology, right? Like, okay, I did this originally with the right intentions, but now I'm just doing it and I've forgotten why. And then life happens and I start to change what I'm doing 
because I'm not keeping God's principle at the center of why I act the way I do, right? And it can also be said at times that we raise up our method as being equal with the principle God has used to lead us to that place, right? If I say, for example, using our school situation, homeschooling is the only way to please God, then we have raised a method to the same level as a principle, We're saying this is what God desires for every person to do. And that's not biblical. Like we can't say that, right? There is nowhere in scripture that says that you have to homeschool your children. Now it does say that we're to be teachers at home as women and that we are to be intentional to shepherd and to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That is our goal and that is our principle, Mm -hmm. right? But the method that can be carried on looks very different depending on who you are, where you're at, what country you live in, Mm -hmm. your socioeconomic status, like all these things. And so- All that to say, last week, we were able to really sit down and talk about methods, methods that are helpful in carrying out the principle of being intentional in our community, of putting church in its appropriate priority at the very top of our list, because it's our spiritual growth we're talking about, and that there are methods you can use to keep that easier, to make it easier for you to be invested in the work of the Lord, to build your life around that. Instead of making it a secondary or tertiary or, you know, even further down that list sometimes, I feel like it does get down there. And then you're like, well, I know my main goal, the principle I'm carrying out my life is to honor the Lord, but I've cluttered up my life with all these methods that aren't helping me to accomplish that principle, right? And so this is just a way of realigning our focus, but that method's going to look different for you, even with the same goal because of where you're at in your community and the kids you have and the jobs you have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a really helpful interview, I thought, to be Mm -hmm. able to sit down and talk through what has God done in Joe and Erica's life? How have they worked out the methods that were appropriate to keep God at the center of their life? And how are they doing that? Because frankly, it was a convicting thing for me to consider that and to pray Mm -hmm. through my own methods. And if I've kept the principle of living for the Lord and honoring him spiritually and obeying the commands he's given me as a believer on earth to be a part of a local body, to use my gifting for him, to make disciples in my community. That was extremely helpful for me to reevaluate. And Mm -hmm. some of their methods were really helpful for me to consider too, because I think some of those methods apply to where I'm at and will be helpful for me carrying out that main goal of honoring the Lord in this way. But some of those methods are going to be different, obviously, because for example, I have no skill for soccer. <laughs> so I can't be a soccer coach. <laughs> you have to do everything just like Joe. Right. <laughs> and and that's what's really fun about this is to be able to sit down and see, oh, this is how God is doing this in this person's mm-hmm. life. This is how he's doing it in that person's life. Like it's just helpful. Yeah. But we can get distracted, especially if we're little worker bees who like to try to please God by our frantic activity. And we can start to do everything other people are doing because their methods are working. And we really need to sit down and, okay, the principle is what matters. What are we trying to accomplish at the end of the day? Is my goal and my intention, because I'm on earth for this reason, to glorify God and to serve him faithfully in what he's called me to do, which as a believer is, number one, to know the Lord and to obey him, to respond to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Mm And to be serving him faithfully in what his known will is, which is to be aggressive in our own walk with him and seeking him and in being in the word and knowing the word and studying it, which is to be a part of a local church and to be faithful and obedient to that, to be under the authority of the local church, 
to be using our gifting for God's glory in the local church and to be passionately pursuing community and exhorting one another and encouraging one another and to Mm -hmm. do so, so much more as we see the day approaching. All this is from scripture. And then if we're called to be in a family dynamic, which the vast majority of us are, even if we're not married, we're in a family. What does that look like in my family? Am I a loving, gracious, compassionate person to live with? Am I seeking my role as a woman then to honor and submit to my husband and to love him and serve him? Am I a convicting, encouraging presence in his life as I pray for his spiritual growth and invest in his spiritual growth as well as in my own, right? Am I five children that God's blessed me? And am I intentional as a mother to love them and to pour into them and to raise another generation for Jesus? These are my number one discipleship endeavors <laughs> if I have children. Like that is your first ministry focus, right? As far as discipleship. And then we're also called to disciple others in the local body. So what does that look like? Am I invested and involved in the lives of other people? Am I intentionally investing in them? And then lastly, am I investing in my community and loving them to Jesus? Am I being salt and light where God's placed me? All of these things are biblical concepts we're given from scripture for our walk with the Lord. But then how we do that, the methods that we carry that out in, look different depending on who you are. So it was really good to talk through those things last week and to just rehash that this week. I wanted to make sure we don't get in the weeds and start to think that we were promoting the only way to serve God. Obviously, it's not the only way to serve God. (laughs) And I hope you guys know that too. But it was really helpful to reevaluate, okay, if my principal goal is the same as what Joe and Erica's is right now, right? God's put them in that community for a purpose then our methods are not going to differ too much because our goals are still going to be, how do I obey God? Right. Mm -hmm. But they will look different depending on what lifestyle you're in Mm -hmm. and everything. So that was really good and encouraging. Yeah, I agree. I think it's also easy too to get bogged down with thinking that our way is the only way of doing something too. Whenever we know why we came to the conclusions that we did. And so when other people choose differently, sometimes it's easy to think that that was wrong on their behalf or something. But I think that's why it's good to talk through that and figure out, you know, why people have chosen what they did. And maybe they can learn something from why you chose what you Mm -hmm. did, Mm -hmm. or maybe you can learn why they did, you know, as well. So, yeah. And a lot of times the methodology is going to be better for someone who is actually has the appropriate principle, right? (laughs) So as we look out there and we've just, we don't have the appropriate principle. Like maybe our number one goal is that we have a certain amount of money that's coming in so we can have a certain lifestyle or we can spend money on renovations or we can, you know, have the kind of property we want to have one day or the kind of career we want to have one day, you know, the kind of education we want to have. We want our kids involved in certain things. And if those are our principles and we're building methodology around those principles, then we're not going to be able to just squeeze God in there and please him. Like that's not how life works. Okay. You only have time. (laughs) Right. Because you won't have time, unfortunately. (laughs) And you know, this is a healthy thing for us to go back to and consider again and again in our lives as God reminds us, hey, you've forgotten why you were doing this. You've gotten caught up in your own methodology. Life's changed. You've changed. And now you're way out in left field when I wanted you to stay focused and on goal. Mm. And so it's just healthy for us to reevaluate where we're at. Do we have first things first? And if not to repent of that and to give it to the Lord and to seek him on what we should choose today to get back on track and to please him. Mm. And so I hope the interviews last week were a blessing and encouragement to you and that they cause you to consider these things biblically and to be open to God changing 
you and your principle or your methodology for where you're at right now to be one that pleases him and glorifies him. So Mm. praise God for his word and for his work in the lives of other people. It's so encouraging to see that. I was really blessed by spending that time last week with Joe and Erica. So it's very encouraging. Very encouraging. So we're going to get back into our doctrine study now in episode nine. So what have we covered so far? We started off with our very first study. Yeah, we've, we've been in theology proper. And so our first study was the existence of God. Right. And then we moved into the Trinity. And, and we covered the Trinity over five parts. And we still didn't do the deepest and dive, but we could we have did done. not. So. <laughs> and, but we learned you know. about, sorry, we learned about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And we talked through different aspects of those individual members of the Godhead. They each have their own branch of doctrine also, which we will get into eventually, hopefully. Yep. And we're in, you know, the doctrine of God, specifically all of them, but really God the Father has covered a lot in this too, from my understanding. And so we're on him right now. And then I think next we're doing Christology, but it really depends. So... I don't know. I guess you'll find out. And then stay tuned. Stay tuned. And then today we're starting the attributes of God. So the characteristics of God, who he is, and those are typically divided into two different categories, communicable and incommunicable. That just makes me think of diseases. (laughs) Sorry. But here it's a positive thing. So (laughs) poor Katie has all this work-related trauma. (laughs) Just got so much baggage. I'm so glad we can have therapy on the air. What? Yeah. So. But that actually is helpful when you do think of it as a disease thing, because communicable, obviously, is something that one person can give to another. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> it's communicable. You can communicate it, right? Yeah. But then incommunicable is a disease that you cannot pass on to another person. Mm-hmm. And so this is just cool to think about the attributes of God. I mean, obviously, we don't think of them as being a disease, but that helps right. <laughs> me to think about it appropriately because, okay, some attributes of God he shares with his creation. Mm-hmm. Some he does not. Well, I think it's it's nice because a lot of times, a lot of what's in the Bible and the doctrine that we learn, God puts it in human terms for us to be able to understand. Because obviously we can't understand God very well, but then he gives us word pictures a lot of times in his word that kind of mm. helps put it on our level, <laughs> put the, the cookies on the bottom shelf, as our yes. dad would say. Because we need him down there. We need him down there. We can't reach up where God is. So. <laughs> so yeah, the communicable attributes are the ones that God has chosen to share with us and with humankind because we are created in his image. We mirror these in some way, not perfectly, but in some level we are able to mirror these with God's help. The incommunicable ones are the ones that he has not designed us to have. He alone possesses these. And those are the ones we're going to start with today. And this is going to be a long study, I got to say, because we're going through probably one per episode. And that's going to take a while. So we decided to do that because the attributes of God, at least in my experience, are frequently kind of glazed over. Yeah, they are. You read them in a list. Maybe you study three or four at a time in a Sunday school setting, and you're just kind of moving on from one to another. And Mm -hmm. you're like, you know what? We get to decide what our timeline looks for this. And we might spend the rest of this year talking about the incommunicable attributes of God. We might. I don't think we will, but we might. Mm -hmm. And is that a study that we can afford to do? Like, is that going to be a helpful and beneficial thing for us to do, to just study the attributes of God? Yeah. Yeah, it Getting really to know is. God more. <laughs> Even if yeah. there are zero practical applications for us today, 
Yeah. It's just getting to know God better. And he's what life is all about. So yeah. that's a great pursuit. <laughs> that's a great thing to do. So and, and, and really, I think practically it has huge implications because sure. you need to worship God in spirit as well as in truth. Mm -hmm. And this is something we're studying in the Gospel of John Bible study right now. We just went over the Woman of the Well passage this past week, and it was so encouraging to remember just all the different aspects of God's character with how he interacted with this woman who was lost and needed mm -hmm. him. And that was what Jesus said to her is like, God desires true worshipers and those who worship him need to worship him in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. If we don't know who God is, if we don't really understand his character, at least what he's revealed to us in his word, then we can't worship him in truth. And yeah. truth matters. It matters to God that we know about him. He shared these things in his word for that purpose. And so we're going to go low and slow, baby. We're going to take our time. We're going to really soak in these big God passages because if nothing else comes of this, we at least will know more about God and that will hugely benefit us. Mm -hmm. So praise God for who he is. Exactly. So I'm well, excited to get into this. I am too. Well, we are into our show quite a bit, but Emily, <laughs> talk to you gonna... next week. <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and cue your music for our dive into doctrine. Yay, and I love let's go. Let's go. Okay. So uh, one thing to start off with is that a lot of the attributes kind of flow into each other and they do that pretty well. So if there's overlap, that's okay. And that's just another way that we can understand more about God a little bit better. So yeah. just remember that some of these kind of flow into each other in, in our understanding. And that's because God is consistent and he, he works well with himself. He's not like us. We're inconsistent most of the time. And uh, we say one thing and mean another, but God doesn't. So mm. uh, the first attribute we're looking at, and these are the incommunicable ones. Remember, only God has these. And that is God's independence or freedom. As Americans, we have an idea of what that is, but the true definition of independence from dictionary.com is freedom from the control, influence, support, aid, or the like of others. So God is independent. He doesn't need anything from us or anyone or anything else. So, so you're saying that we as Americans are not actually <laughs> independent or free. <laughs> no. <laughs> I hear an eagle screaming. Yeah. Crying out. <laughs> but it's true though. Like, do you exist independent from anyone else on this planet? Absolutely not. No. You are, you are relying on an economy. You're relying on a culture. You're relying on others to build your vehicle. To Even bring if you food. <laughs> you live in the mountains alone with, you never see anybody and you, you know, are guilty of tax evasion. Like you're so... <laughs> You still are dependent because you need to breathe you need to eat and drink. You need to communicate in some way, most likely. Yeah. So you essentially are a slave to those things. Well, and like, the fact that you're free to live like a hermit is a sign of the fact that you're relying on point. a government and in a country that allows you to live in the woods and to do mm -hmm. that. Some countries won't, right? Yeah. So you still are not independent, even if you think you are. There's a huge push right now, I feel like, to be self-sustaining. Which yeah. is not a bad thing. I mean, you know, to try to live off the grid and to do, <laughs> you know, have your own chickens and all that. I mean, we we come from farmers on both sides. And so we definitely already had that streak in us. Yeah. We did it before it was cool. <laughs> we did it when we were starving. <laughs> Hipsters. <laughs> yeah, but I totally love that. But at the same time, there's a push in us, I think, and we're fed this as Americans, that we don't need anyone else. We can stand on our own two mm -hmm. feet. 
We can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, which that very saying doesn't make sense for obvious reasons. Like, you know, you you can't really do that. Actually, you have to have an economy that will allow you to work hard and get some money for that in return. Right. You have to have all Mm -hmm. these things in place to be able to succeed and to push yourself to succeed. But at the end of the day, like in, you know, space, even if we were like completely (laughs) independent of all these things on earth that we need other people for, we need other things and systems for, we still would not be independent because can you make your lungs exchange oxygen for CO2? Can you do that? Like, no. can you make your body digest nutrients? Are you holding your body together? Yeah, like exactly. We talked about in a prior episode. Like, can you cause your neurons to fire? And so you have thought, can you control the nerves and the muscles that make communication possible and air pass over vocal folds? Like when we really get down to it, we are completely dependent mm-hmm. for everything we do and think and say for everything. <laughs> we're completely dependent. Mm-hmm. That's humbling too. Cause especially if you're an American, you've been ingrained with this sense of independence and we rebelled and we're so cool and you know we get the job done and all this but we really we're very dependent we're like little babies we need everything from god and uh we're very blessed that he's a good god and he's not a wicked tyrant because there's nothing that we could have been able to do about that Mm -hmm. so and our purpose in sharing all this and reminding ourselves of this is not to beat you down or make you feel bad (laughs) you're worthless (laughs) our purpose is a realistic true sober Mm self-assessment. If you understand who you really are, then that should cause you to be humbled, to respond to the action of God in your life and on your behalf more appropriately, Mm -hmm. potentially with repentance and getting your life back under his control mentally, because you already technically are under his control, but like you can resist that. Right. But also like, it also is really helpful for us to just remember I need to walk with thankfulness today because everything I have is from God. Any Mm -hmm. blessing in my life, any good thing that he's given me, a stable family maybe that you were allowed to grow up in or a job, even if it's not one you like, where you can go and work and make money. There are many people on the planet right now that would love to have a job where they can make money and, you know, are starving because they don't Mm -hmm. have a job, you know? So I think it's just helpful for us to remind ourselves, actually, we have a lot to be thankful for. Yeah. Well, it also makes me see my security in Christ more too, because the more I understand myself and seeing like the whole comprehensive picture of myself, it not only does it humble me, but it helps me realize how amazing God is that he would love me and accept me into the beloved Mm. and work on changing me into his image. You know, he's not doing that because he thinks I'm all right. He's doing that because he loves me despite myself. And that just it helps me to turn it back to praise, you know, mm-hmm. and to also think like, wow, praise the Lord that God sees me as I am. He sees me even better than I see myself. He knows me very well. And yet he loves me and he is good and kind and forgiving. And he has paid for my sins appropriately so that I don't have to deal with them. Yeah. I don't have to pay for them myself. So that, I don't know. I just want, the more you understand God and yourself, the more happy you are really because it changes everything and that he allows rain to fall on the just and on the unjust Mm -hmm. as you see in scripture common grace yeah common grace he allows your blood to clot even Mm -hmm. if you are in active rebellion against him Mm -hmm. like he is a vital part of your everyday life 
even if you are rejecting everything about him and speaking out in opposition to him. He is still out of love and grace and common grace is what we call it in the Christian faith, that that aspect of God's benediction and care for all of creation, regardless of what they've chosen mm-hmm. to do. He is still such a vital part of your life. And it's important for us to recognize that. Again, if we recognize that appropriately, that causes us to have joy and thanksgiving and humility regarding our relationship with God. If it's causing you to despair, that's just because you put yourself in the line of ultimate power and (laughs) you put yourself in the chair as far as being the Mm -hmm. boss and as far as being your own God. And it hurts sometimes when you recognize that's not true, (laughs) but don't stay Mm -hmm. there, you know, repent and, and rejoice in who God is and what he gives you every day that you don't deserve. Yeah, for sure. Well, Acts 17 is a passage we've looked at in the podcast before. Uh, Back in episode three, we kind of looked at the broader passage, but just a segment of it today was helpful to look at for our topic, uh, verses 24 and 25. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, Hmm. since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things, just like we were talking about. This isn't a God who is needy. And on that note as well, we must never foolishly elevate ourselves to the level of thinking that he needs us around in any way. Yeah, He doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need our love or affection or our companionship or company in heaven. Mm. Like we've talked about before, he has perfect fellowship within himself. And he creates because he wants to, not because he needs to in any way. Yeah. And we must never think that we, the creature, are greater than or even a little bit higher than we are (laughs) than our creator. So he loves you because he wants to, not because he needs you. Yeah. And that's actually really good to know. (laughs) Yeah. Because he chose to. He knew what he was doing. Which means that you lacking to fulfill a need in his life is not going to change Mm-hmm. his relationship with you because he has chosen you intentionally yeah. regardless of any benefit because you know we really don't bring anything to the table and yeah. that should cause us to be very thankful for who God is and should again put our relationship in the appropriate light yeah. so we don't feel like we have to do all these things so we contribute to the relationship like yeah he wants us to respond and to worship him appropriately really for our own benefit as well as it being the right thing to do it's just better for us right mm. and so when we get caught up in trying to please god and like doing all these things out of the wrong motivation instead of doing it out of love and affection and as a response of thanksgiving we're doing it to try to change our relationship like we can't change our relationship none mm. of our effort will matter in that like he loves us because he loves us yeah you know well i've been reading in isaiah for my devotions and i just have been in isaiah 5 i think where it talks about how god is like the owner of the vineyard and he it's talking about like israel and judah where he or might have been just israel i can't remember sorry i need to study more <laughs> but um uh, how he likens them to a vineyard and he like he tended them so well he put all this work and effort into them and he did everything that he needed to to expect a good harvest from this vineyard of his and rather than getting a good harvest he got wild grapes and it was like judge between you and me i did everything that i needed to do to get Mm. the right response from you i was good i tended you i loved you you know but instead i got wild grapes and Mm. whose fault is that it wasn't the vineyard owner's fault And, and so it just makes me think about how god's wrath against us is just 
But all of that, for us believers, all of the wrath that we should have received was placed upon Jesus mm. Christ, the perfect one. He received the full brunt of God's wrath, and it was satisfied and paid for by him. Mm. And so God is no longer angry with us because that wrath has been satisfied. Yeah. So that's not like a free ticket to do whatever we want, but it, it should cause us to fall to our knees and be humbled and thankful because he's put the work in for us. Yeah. We don't have to, you know, walk across burning coals in order to please him. He's mm. already paid for that. And he put that punishment on his perfect son who didn't deserve it. So yeah. it's, it's more cause to praise him. When he looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. <laughs> That's amazing. And that is from scripture. This isn't just something we're making up. Like that is what we mm. are told and that we can boldly come to the throne of grace. I think we don't like that. There's a part of us that resists that because if we have a more realistic view of ourselves, then we recognize that we're dust, right? We, mm -hmm. we make decisions against God constantly. Even if we've been saved for a long time and have been growing to become more like Jesus, we still make selfish decisions. We still expose ourselves to things we shouldn't be exposed to. You know, we still participate in acts that are against God, even mild rebellion sometimes in our view. It's like still against God. And we choose to please our flesh instead of um, encouraging the Spirit's growth in our lives. And I think part of us realizing more about the true relationship we have with God, there's a part of us that cries out against that because it's not just. No, it's not right that God looks at us and sees Jesus and his righteousness because mm. I'm a terrible person. Like, this isn't right. And that's exactly that part of us that's responding with justice <laughs> is like actually really unjust because Jesus came and died for this purpose. And this plan was his plan to reconcile us to him, to redeem us from the curse of sin. And we can accept that and trust that him as the righteous judge has not allowed anything to happen that is not right. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we should also have great thankfulness in our hearts, recognizing that, no, we did not deserve it. Yeah. And that God did this out of love for us and out of love for the world. God yeah. so loved the world that he gave his only son. Mm. You know, these are true facts. And if your heart resists that, that's because you've got a rebellious little heart and you need to <laughs> tell yourself, no, yeah. it doesn't matter what I feel. What matters is what God's revealed to me in his word, what is true. And these things are true and I'm going to believe them. I'm going to continue to remind myself of them as I struggle in my flesh to, to really fully understand it. And yeah. praise God for his work on our behalf. I mean, yes, we do not deserve it. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> well, it makes me think about the trend. It's like, it's a joke, but it's how women tend to be like talking to their significant other and say, would you still love me if I was so ugly that you threw up every time you saw me? You know, like, or if my arms were like spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy's like, no. <laughs> we want to be loved because of who we are intrinsically. You know, we just want to be so desired that... You know, it's impossible not to love us, even if we were so ugly. <laughs> it's just so funny. funny. But it's cool because God frees us from that. He doesn't love us because we were so special, you know, like I'm different than from all the other girls. You know, that's yeah, why God loves me. She's not like other girls. Yeah. <laughs> he loves me because he's good and he has chosen to love me. And so I can't do anything to make him love me less. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. I don't have any burden on me to mm. sustain his love because it's it's self-driven. It's it's all him. So you are secure in the affection mm -hmm. of your completely in control, yeah. completely wise, completely loving, completely righteous and just father. 
I like that way better than having to earn it or having mm. to think that there's something special about me that made him love me. I yeah. like it better that it's his choice and yeah. it doesn't depend upon me. And again, if you're looking at this from the outside, you might say, well, that kind of relationship will lead you to abuse, right? Yeah. Like you'll say, oh, if I know that I'm secure in the affection of my savior, then I can just do whatever I want. And it's like, well, that's what an unregenerate heart would think, actually. True. But when you've been saved, when you've finally gotten to the end of yourself and your own effort, and you finally submit yourself to the will of God, and you say, hey, I get it. I can never please you in my own actions. I could never be good enough to be allowed in your presence in heaven. I know I'm headed for my true just reward, which is an eternity separated from God in hell. This is what's appropriate for me. When you finally recognize that and you completely put yourself at the mercy of this God and trust that his sacrifice for you is enough, that what he tells you in his word is true. And when you by faith receive that, he changes you. The Holy Spirit indwells you at that moment. And he begins to make you more like Jesus. When that realization has happened, when that light has been opened up in our hearts, then our desire now is out of thankfulness and out of love and out of all these appropriate things that come from that relationship, worship, etc., that we now want to please this God. And we are attempting to the best of our ability to respond to his truth, to expose ourselves to the word, to walk in obedience to what he's told us in his word. And this is the work of the spirit in our lives. And so no, a, a true believer does not want to get away with whatever they can get away with mm -hmm. while they're on earth because a true believer wants to please and honor and worship the God that has rescued them. True. And so the true understanding of the relationship God has with us creates more humility creates more of a begotten thankfulness to this God. It doesn't allow for further license to sin. Mm. That's true. Good if word. You, if you find that trait in yourself, that this makes you think, oh, I can just do whatever I want, then I would seriously evaluate your salvation, seriously evaluate your relationship with God. That does not sound to me like someone who understands their right relationship with God. It doesn't sound to me like someone who has actually accepted Jesus as their savior because a true believer does not want to heap more sin on the back of Jesus as he hung on that cross. You don't want to toe the line as, no. a, as someone who's growing in their walk with the Lord. You want to run away from that. You want to have true grief over your sin. Yeah. And so these are signs of a believer. Yep. And true. it's not our work. Again, it's the Holy Spirit's work. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's the difference <laughs> between trying to force these attitudes and by, by just living a good life, you know, you, by having the Holy Spirit within you, it changes mm. everything. Mm -hmm. so. Well, here's a quote from Don Stewart. Uh, it was on the Blue Letter Bible website. We can throw the link in the show notes. Uh, he says, God is independent of everything. This includes his creatures and his creation. He needs nothing to exist. There are no restrictions upon his character. While humans need food, oxygen, and water to exist, God needs none of these things. He alone is the self-existing one. God is free to do whatever he chooses. This is also known as the independence of God or the freedom of God. Hmm. That is so good. Yeah. I think that this quote, the way he puts that down, this is also known as the independence of God or the freedom of God. It just reminds me of these conversations people try to have about, they're trying to, <laughs> they're trying to like reason God out of being God. Yeah. 
in their in their wise uh, questions that they ask. People are so silly. I'm sure we look very dumb to God a lot. Of oh times. my goodness. There's a there's a song that's actually really good about the the ultimate power of God and one of the lines in that is you declare war on the Lord when he's the one who formed you in the uterus or something to that extent. You know, like mm. you de- you declare war on this God who who actually knitted you in your mother's womb. It's just such a silly it puts the picture in the appropriate place <laughs> where you're like, oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous that you're doing that. But yeah. I just made me think of like that old question that showed up in old literature and stuff, you know, like, can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? And it's like people. The real question. Yeah. The, <laughs> you, you heard it here, folks. Debunked. Like, people are so silly. You know, they're trying to come up yeah. with something that makes them feel better about doing whatever they want. And so they're saying, okay, if if I can create a theological dilemma, if I can create a a problem with God being absolutely sovereign or being absolutely not accountable or I can do whatever I want. Exactly. It's like you silly little goose. Like you are just, (laughs) you're just sitting there shaking your fist at his face. And literally he is the one who gives you the ability to have energy and muscles that can contract and a, and a mind mm. that can tell your fist to shake <laughs> like, yeah. it's just so oh, silly the irony really <laughs> like and he he has mercy on us and doesn't just wipe us out i mean good grief if i yeah. were god there would have been no mankind a long oh, time man. ago right because we would have reacted in the flesh but god is love and he is righteous and yeah etc cetera, etc cetera. but i think that this quote could you read it again actually Emily? Yeah. this quote really if you think about that differently yeah, so it says, God is independent of everything. This includes his creatures and his creation. That's us. <laughs> he needs nothing to exist. There are no restrictions upon his character. While humans need food, oxygen, and water to exist, God needs none of these things. He alone is the self-existing one. Well, pause right there. That's another thing that people can't understand. And so, you know, whether whether your viewpoint is that we have come to be through big E evolution, <laughs> so not like you know, the natural changing of kind within kind. Right. Over Microevolution years. is measurable. We see it in yeah. creation. God built yeah. that in for diversity. But macroevolution, big evolution, where yeah. kinds change into kinds has never been measured, has never been observed. Mm-hmm. It is and there's actually a theory too. It so. is a theory. <laughs> and there is actually a lot of proof against it just from being able to look at you know, the types within, and that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. I mean, every time we build a, a bigger telescope, the whole, mm-hmm. you know, theory of evolution has to be adjusted because it changes how um, secular scientists view the world. Yeah. And if you look at fossil records, if you look at all these different yeah. measurable things we can see, life all starts at the same level, at the same layer. Mm-hmm. There aren't different changes in kinds occurring at lower layers until you get to the mm-hmm. layer, and then there's... No, all life, it's an explosion of life. that right. all happens at the same layer. And that's because that's when creation happened. Yeah. And they're all in their kinds. None of them are half-formed or preformed or in-between kinds. Like, yeah. everything was created. God just allows microevolution to change kinds within for diversity. And so mm. all those things can occur. But, yeah. It's yeah, like, if, if you ask the right questions, then with either viewpoint, with whether you come to the conclusion that evolution is true, biggie evolution is true, you have to get back to the roots of what was the uncaused cause that ended up bringing about the universe, yeah. right? So there's nothing, like, we had to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Whether you deny that or not, that's the truth. So God is the uncaused cause. He is the self-existing one. The prime mover. Yep. Yeah. And he he's chosen the mode of creation to bring about the whole 
universe. He could, could have done what he wanted, but that's what he chose to do. And there's a lot of really great proofs for that, too. So you don't have to sacrifice your intellect to believe nope. in God at all. Nope. In fact, people do pretty dumb things to try to disprove God. And a lot of people who set out to do so end up believing in him after all, because they've been proven wrong by their honest research and study. And we said this before on this channel, but God's the only one who witnessed creation and then wrote a record of it down so mm -hmm. people would know what happened. And we have that record in scripture. It's in Genesis. Yeah. So if you want to know what happened, just go read Genesis because God was there and he gave mm. us a firsthand account. <laughs> yeah. And that is measurable and that is scientific. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think a yeah. lot of Christians who believe in evolution, we're on a rabbit trail, but it's okay. This is a very um, <laughs> important rabbit trail. <laughs> a lot of the Christians who believe in evolution, it's because they're afraid of looking like idiots to the world. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Because if we believe that God is who he says he is, there's no problem with believing in creation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's so many different proofs in because um, only God was there at creation, people say like, oh, that's not true or whatever. You know, evolution is what happened. But really, they have no proof that that's what happened. You know, mm -hmm. you have to sketch out mm -hmm. a lot of connections to things that aren't connected. Like mm -hmm. even those old like family tree things for evolution show like, oh, see, we all came from the same uh, common ancestor. But if you look at what they filled in, it's everything that connects to each other. <laughs> so yeah. if, if you remove those things, you just see kinds of creatures remaining what they were throughout all of history. Yeah. So. And hey, you can say, oh, I disagree with that. Okay, but do your research because mm. just speaking for myself, I've spent over a decade researching this myself. And hey, I'm a baby when it comes to these things. There are men and women who are much smarter than I am, who have way more degrees, maybe more advanced mm -hmm. levels of science than I've even touched the surface of, who also believe in a literal six-day creation. As we see in scripture, they are also followers of Jesus. They believe what the Bible tells us. We will link some of those things in our show notes we have before, but Answers in Genesis is a really good resource for that. Uh, a lot of the men and women writing those articles have their PhDs in, in physics and in, you know, advanced chemistry, advanced biology, advanced microbiology. Like they understand creation very well mm. and they're speaking as experts in their field. But I can say just as like a layperson who works in science who actually is exposed a lot to the way God made creation in the human body. I have advanced a certain level in my in my field. And when I first started at a community college, going through my science classes from a secular perspective, I went into class saying, hey, if God did not tell us the truth in his word, then I want to know now before I devote my life to serving him. And it's pointless because there's no God or he didn't do what he said he did. And so I went into class really analyzing what I was being taught and weighing it against what I knew to be true, what I can see in creation, what I could see in God's word as a believer. And God's word came out on top every time. And there are multiple proofs for the way God created the world that are built into scripture before science caught up and recognized these things were true. Again, this isn't a class on uh, apologetics right now or on creationism, but there are a lot of good resources out there for yeah. you if you want to look into that. Mm -hmm. But all this to say, God is always been because he's God. And if that bugs you because you're like, well, how does creation happen? Who made God? No one made God. And a way that's helpful for me to think about this is time was created by God, mm -hmm. right? And everything we see was made by God. And so if you think of everything that's ever been created being a box, God is outside that box. 
Okay, so time, creation, stars, planets, people, all of humankind that we know of, everything that's ever been done that was created by God is in this box. God is on the outside of that box and he is interacting with things inside it. He is self-existing on the outside of that box. Time does not impact him. Years and aging and all these things he's created not impact him because that's all stuff inside the box, right? Mm -hmm. And he's on the outside. And that's just a helpful way for me to think about it because we don't really understand the fact that God has always been. It kind of is scary and he always will be. Try explaining, you know, four-dimensional technology or experience to a two-dimensional object you know yeah. you, you can't do it because they they can't understand yes <laughs> so that's, and that's kind okay. of a good way to think it's about okay it to, to be in awe and to not understand the mm-hmm. god who made these things that's totally fine yeah that's appropriate actually yeah. <laughs> but all that to say like when we see a self-existent god is in this quote that can make people feel uncomfortable and mm-hmm. so they'll come up with like oh well what about this what about that we don't um, want to look stupid to the world or whatever. So we're not going to believe in that or whatever. Right, exactly. And I think in this situation, the end of this quote says, this is also known as the independence of God or the freedom of God. Mm -hmm. I know that people will bring up arguments like, well, is God limited somehow by his own rules, right? Like, oh, God can't do that because of this. Or, hey, God can do everything so God can sin, right? Or God can do things that are evil if he's truly all powerful, And it's like, okay, again, it's a correct view of these things. Like we kind of get these little tongue twisters and we like to think, oh, we've tricked God. We paid him in a corner and now he has to, you know, Mm. we can disbelieve things about him. And it's like, well, actually. Meanwhile, he's snapping his fingers like, oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. No, he's not. (laughs) But I didn't consider that before I created a mind capable of considering that. (laughs) I'm bested by such a silly question. (laughs) And here's the thing. This is, again, a helpful way of thinking about it. Okay. Light is the complete opposite of darkness, right? And so in this situation, you could say, oh, well, why can't light become darkness? It's like, well, light can't become darkness because it's light. Like it's it's just completely different yeah. from darkness. It is the complete opposite of darkness. And so God, as an all-powerful being, is completely righteous. Therefore, he cannot be sinful. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he cannot be evil. He cannot be unrighteous. He cannot be unjust. It's not because that's limiting his power. It's because it's the complete opposite of who he is. Mm -hmm. He is light. Therefore, he cannot have darkness as part of his makeup. And so it just is helpful to remember these things. Like we cannot restrict God verbally. We can't play these little games and try to like, oh, I feel better now because God's more manageable. In the end of the day, you're just creating weird little things that confuse you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like God hasn't been impacted (laughs) by this at all. Good boy. Well, it makes me think about the quote from Narnia about what one of the beavers said about Aslan. You know, Mm. he's not tame. (laughs) Yes, that's the thing. Of course, he's not tame. He's not a tame lion, exactly. And God God does what he wants Mm -hmm. within who he is, right? Because he cannot be anything but what he is. Yeah. Well, that's one of the verses I have down here uh, on my notes is Psalm 115 3. But our God is in the heavens, he does whatever he pleases. There it is. <laughs> he does what he wants. Yep. He doesn't need to ask you or I permission to do anything. <laughs> you know, oh, he didn't consult me on that one. But he does what he pleases and it's always good. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we'll study that in the communicable attributes later. But that's that's a nice thing. He does what he wants, but he's always good. So yeah. you can trust him to do exactly. the right thing at any at any time. The judge of all the earth will do right. Exactly. Someone, I don't remember where I heard this, but someone once said, we are under the control of an affectionate providence. Mm. And I think that's a really good way of reminding ourselves of that because 
when hard things happen, you know, when tragedies occur, mm. it's easy to think, oh, God must not either be very sovereign or he must not be good. Mm. Because if a sovereign good God were alive, this never would have happened. Well, in actuality, God is completely sovereign and he is completely good. But in these circumstances that we're facing, I think it's important for us to remember that we can rely on the attributes of God, even if it doesn't seem like a good, righteous, sovereign God would allow something to happen. This is our finite mind considering these things. We don't have the full story. We don't have the Mm -hmm. big picture. But what we can trust is what was revealed to us from God's word. And that is that we are under an affectionate providence. Mm -hmm. And that is what that looks like. And on the one hand, we are in a sin-cursed world and we have the effect of sin all around us. And we have the consequences from that as well as from our own sin, right? And that can affect us too. But God still somehow allows free will while being sovereign. And these things don't make sense to us, but they're true. And they're both told us in scripture. They're both something we can point to Mm -hmm. and say, God says this is true. And so we just need to trust these things. You know, again, we don't need to try to figure these things out Mm. because we really can't. And what ends up happening when we have two things that seem to contradict each other that are both taught 100% in scripture, what ends up happening with us is we try to build a system of theology that explains this away. And then we try to put scripture in the system to fit Mm -hmm. the way we think it should. When in reality, again, we're two-dimensional beings talking about a four-dimensional person, right? This does not seem to make sense to us, but, but that's God's, how it should be. <laughs> exactly. God that's says it's okay. true. He says he's self-existing. He yeah. says he's completely independent of us. So learn what you can, but don't be afraid or don't let your faith be shaken whenever you don't get it. Yeah, exactly. That's okay. That's okay. Just, Just like a little kid needing to trust their parents when they yeah, don't understand something. Exactly. It's okay. You can just trust them because if you have good parents, you can understand that. Yep. Absolutely. Well, one passage, one section of passages that has been really meaningful to both me and Katie is, and you know, many believers around the world, Mm. uh, is Job 38, where it's God's response to Job whenever Job, he went through a horrible time of grief and pain, both physical and emotional and spiritual. And God's response to him wasn't why he did what he, or, or allowed what he chose to allow in Job's life, but it was a response of, who am I and who are you, Job? And what's the contrast between there? And the end result is, of course, we can trust God. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was looking through chapter 38 in preparation for this episode, and these verses caught my eye, and they're not what you traditionally think about when you're considering the independence of God, perhaps. But I'll go ahead and read verse 41. Who prepares for the raven its nourishment when its young cry to God and wander about without food? When the young ravens are needy, they cry out to God. When, not if, we are needy, what do we do? We cry out to God. We are dependent on him. So we need his intervention and help every moment, every second of every day. But God doesn't cry out to anybody because he doesn't need any help or aid of any kind. He doesn't need to consult anybody. That was such a good word picture for me to consider. And you know, it even makes me think about like, consider the sparrows. Not one falls without God's knowledge. And he cares about those little sparrows and they are dependent upon him just as we are dependent on him. And he's dependent on nobody. He's the one that we all cry out to for help because he's the one that doesn't need anybody. Mm-hmm. And he's all powerful and good. So it's kind of a, a roundabout way of looking at it, but it, it kind of caught my eye a little bit. And I thought it would be fun to share. 
That's beautiful. I know I've struggled with this and I'm not even a mom. And I think moms typically struggle with this even more so because they're so vital for their homes, right? Mm -hmm. They're so vital for the lives of their children. They're so vital to maintain a household Mm -hmm. and all that for the husband, if there is a husband or all these things cause a lot of Mm self-sacrifice and cause a lot of service for other people. And it can be easy to feel when you're in a service role all the time or for long seasons, it can be easy to feel really discouraged by that sometimes. Like, oh, I'm always taking care of other people. No one's ever taking care of me. I'm always taking care of these needs. But when do I get to take care of my own needs? Right. And it can feel like that. And I think there are seasons where that's going to be more the case than other seasons too. Even if you're, again, not married or don't have children or whatever, like I work in a very service a very service kind of job, a very service type (laughs) job. And I take care of a lot of people and it can be discouraging sometimes when you can't meet your own needs because you're so invested in caring for other people. Keeping them alive. (laughs) Exactly. For long periods of time, like, you know, going whole days without eating or drinking because like you just have someone who's trying to die on you and you're trying to fix it. Right. And so like that happens or like in ministry, if you are someone who just has broad shoulders and and a willing heart and tends to take on a lot of responsibility. Sometimes it can feel like, okay, I'm the only one doing these things. You know, who's going to take care of me? And God is actually the only one who gets to say that, <laughs> you know, because even when you are serving like that and carrying that kind of load and are looking out for the needs of others constantly and not really having anyone pour into your life mm. that you can see and think of, Many times, if you step back several paces and really evaluate objectively, get emotions out of it, because usually that's an emotional response because you've reached the end of your rope and you're tired or you're discouraged or whatever. If you really back up and start thinking about it, you start to realize, actually, you know, maybe you have a husband who's contributing to the household financially and is someone you can still talk to, even if you're discouraged right now, or you're having a hard time with each other, or he's going through a hard time or whatever. Like typically there's some support that's coming from this person. If you're by yourself, then again, we need to look at, okay, what about your culture and your country you live in? And what about all the things you take for granted, like safety in your home and all these things that you are allowed to have? And if you can't even say that, which most of us can say that, then you can back up even further and say, well, God is actually sustaining your life. Mm. And he's giving you the air to breathe. He's giving you the chemical responses in your body to continue having life, continue living and breathing and doing all these things. And he's the one who ultimately is providing for you to have nourishment today, for you to have the opportunity to live another day. And he's the only one who's actually sustaining everybody and has no one sustaining him. And so that thing is just helpful to think about that, you know, we kind of get locked up in our own little world and our own little self-pity. And even when it feels appropriate because you're going through a long season of serving and it doesn't seem like you really are having anyone help take care of you, that can be hard. But then remind yourself, actually, God's taking care of me. Mm. And he sees even little hungry baby birds and he takes care of them. How much more so is he taking care of you today? And are you willing to be a reflection of God and his nurture and care by how you nurture and care sacrificially for those God's given you. So I think that's a beautiful thing to remember. And again, the focus should be on him as we serve anyway, and not ourselves, right? Yeah. Mm, that's just a happy thought, though. I mean, it brings comfort <laughs> to think about God being independent and in control and working all things out for the good of those who love him. Mm. That's 
Beautiful and he thought. has the broadest shoulders mm. and the most willing spirit. So we can cast all our care on him because he does care for us. Mm. And good. so if you're carrying that around today, if you feel like you're the only one and you've got all this on you, you are inappropriately taking that on yourself. You need to give it back to God and mm. trust him for your sustenance. Trust him for your breath and for the next day's grace because he'll give it. Be still and know that he is God. There's a book called Basic Theology that Charles Ryrie wrote, and my copy on page 42, he's talking about this attribute of God. And one application he has for that is a quote here that says, being free, God is not obligated to us in any way unless he chooses to initiate an obligation. Hmm. He does not have to do anything for us unless he chooses to do so. Consequently, we cannot put him in our debt. And one uh, passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 13 and 14, carries that idea as well. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult and who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? Obviously, these are rhetorical questions. <laughs> Nobody. God is wise. He's the one who gets it all. Nobody can, you know, Ain't nobody telling him nothing because he's he's God and he's in control of all these things. And he only is the one who understands them. And again, that's another another reminder that we can be comforted by is that he doesn't need anything from you in order to exist or to be sustained. Mm. And um, yeah, he's he's all powerful. He's all over mm. everything. Enough said. <laughs> That just really blows my mind thinking about that, about this verse, about no one counseling him, no one informing him, no one teaching him, because God wants us to pray. Mm. He wants us to seek him and to pour our hearts out to him. And I just think of those times in scripture where it says one of God's people responded and seeking, mm. begging God to change his mind or begging God to intervene. And it says, and God relented. Or And God changed what he was doing. And I just think about, he doesn't need us. Obviously, he's making things, he's making decisions completely rightly. But he also loves us enough and has enough of a relationship with us that he allows at times for a slight change, a slight deviation based on his relationship with us and what we are talking to him about. And that's mind-blowing. I mean, obviously, it's still within the will of God. It's still within his sovereignty. But he is working in our lives to seek him over things. And then he's allowing himself to be impacted by those things. And again, he doesn't need our wisdom, right? Mm. <laughs> but it's just another sign of his affection and love for us. Another sign of his just amazing relationship that he's given us with him. I mean, yeah. just incredible to think about that. Well, I'm convicted about that in the area of prayer a lot, too, because I find myself giving God advice on how to handle a situation that's on my <laughs> mind <laughs> or I'll be like, Lord, please handle it in this way because of this and this and this and this. And yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> he doesn't need my advice. And so sometimes I pray that to you. I'm like, well, actually you don't need my advice. So let your will be done and, yeah. you know, grow us in the midst of this as well, because it's, it is easy to just feel like I need to explain everything to God and how it works, but you don't. Yeah. But at the same time, he does want you to ask and he does want you to talk to him. Yeah. And I think there's just got to be a tension there of remembering that you can boldly approach, but you still have to be respectful and remember right. who he is. Right. And remember ultimately that he's going to make the right decision. Yeah. So when you say like, oh, God didn't answer my prayer. Well, he actually did. 
And he answered it appropriately. (laughs) Right. We don't think that no's are an answer. (laughs) Yeah. They're an answer. And he's answering it appropriately. You can trust him to bring about the best in your life and in these circumstances, even if it doesn't look like that to you. And so praise God for that. Mm -hmm. And praise God that out of his complete independence, out of his complete lack of need, he still chooses to have a relationship with us and still desires it. Like he wants us to seek him. Mm. I mean, this is just this aspect of God for some reason is one I don't really think about ever. And it's kind of blowing my mind knowing all the things we're told in scripture about how he desires a relationship with us. Mm. The fact that he doesn't need one just makes it that much more amazing. Yeah. It's humbling, but also like really, really encouraging. (laughs) Yeah. Like, wow. Like God, that's awesome. And just amazing to see like thank you for sharing your word with us about this because we just don't understand and we're just walking around stumbling in the dark and this is incredible i just so thankful for this and i feel like you guys wherever you're at right now whatever situation's going on if you've had to listen to this 45 times because you've had to keep pausing it because your kids are screaming <laughs> or you know you're going through a hard time and you just don't feel like you have the energy to listen to something like this and you're just now getting back into it or whatever the case is, I just hope that this just blows your mind today and that causes you to tear up. And I'm telling you, hey, pause this thing, like get with the Lord, repent where he's calling you to repent, recognize that you've been thinking inappropriately about things and get your thoughts back in alignment with what God's word says and just rejoice in him today thank him for who he is. Spend some time just sitting at his feet rejoicing instead of asking for all the things, you know? And even when you start to do that, sometimes you find yourself asking, right? Like, oh Lord, thank you for who you are. Please help me to understand Please you more. Please give me this. <laughs> right. And that's like, that's okay. Like he gets it, right? But like, yeah. just try to just rejoice in who he is and just saturate your soul in who God is and let that change you. Mm. Let that change your perspective on what you're going through right now, the difficulties of today, the anxieties of tomorrow, like give these things to God. Because again, he, he gives the raven, the young ravens that cry out to God for food. These little simple creatures that don't know anything else. They don't know about God's attributes, right? These little ravens, Mm. but they know that someone's taking care of them. These little birds, they know to cry out because they're hungry and God provides for them. Hmm. I mean, what an incredible God. I'm so thankful he's self-existent. He doesn't need any help from us because mm. can you imagine carrying that burden? Praise God for who he is. Oh, man. It's amazing. It is amazing. I think we should just leave it there, frankly. Like, yeah. let's just think about these <laughs> things. <it>. Selah, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so I pray that for you guys today. And just, hey, worship God today. We love you guys. Love you guys.